listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day it's different. They change, but they don't know what they want. All they do is change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going left, going right, travel day, travel night. That's where we'll go. No excuses, no goodbyes, no one cries, no one lies. We'll never know. It, it. up to the nine foot homemade oak bar pour yourself a cold one my name is chris his name is craig this is bucks in the basement 30 minutes of pirates talk for fans by fans my friend uh ben charrington i think is misunderstood more than any other general manager in baseball it's just so weird he starts talking about something like triolo he he starts talking about his role next year and somehow it's immediately misconstrued take me through this yeah so basically i mean ben charrington number one was Sounded like he was sick as a dog on on Sunday. Probably should have just canceled the interview to begin with. He couldn't stop coughing and hacking through everything. He needed like a a throat lozenger or something. But I mean, that's kind of beside the point. But I mean, these are this is like the softy questions interviews. I mean, this is like Greg Brown, you know, our voice of the Pirates, asking him questions. So it's questions that he's comfortable answering. And this was a question. Um, he first asked about, I believe it was Josh Palacios, what his role was. And he was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't see why not. I mean, he's he's done good things for us. I mean, just answering these questions. But the big thing. It's kind of like when my kids come after me when I'm sick. Yeah. Right. The littlest one gets me like I blew <laughs> out my hamstring. I, I popped my my right hamstring on Sunday playing in a softball tournament because I was not going to be denied going up the first baseline late in the game when we needed a run. And I was leading off the inning and I put it down on the ground a third. And, and there were three pops. The first was my foot hitting the bag. The second one was my hamstring seemingly exploding in my leg. And the third thing was the ball hitting the base as I beat it out. And then I went down like a sniper got me. (laughs) And so I'm injured yesterday. And what happens? It's time to get the kids off to school. And the littlest guy is like, I don't feel good. And I'm like, all right, buddy. Like, because he took advantage of the fact that dad was hurt. And that's what happens sometimes, right? Kids do it. You know, employees do it. Media does it. If I were sick like Ben Charrington, I'd be like, I'm not talking to anybody until I'm better because people will come after you when you're injured or ill. But t- take me through this now. Yeah, so basically, I mean, it was it was one tweet from uh, Dan Zangrilli. He does the uh, the Pirates pregame, postgame show for 93.7 The Fan, like Dan a lot. Um, but I guess he thought that maybe, you know, X or Twitter or whatever still had like the, the 140 character limit because it was – uh, ben Sherrington was asked on the fan on Jared Triolo being first base in 2024. And his quote was, he's telling us by his performance, he needs to be in consideration. Well, 
basically, I mean, I listened to it and I was just like, well, maybe that's what he said. But yesterday I went back and listened to it and Sherrington actually said this. I, he said, I think he's telling us, you know, that's Claire's day right there. As we plan for 2024, 20, he's certainly someone that needs to be in consideration. If you stop it right there, but then he goes on to say to have a role on this team. <laughs> I mean, isn't that amazing? The to have a role on this team takes away the idea that he's just being considered for first base. He's being considered for a role on the team, right? Yeah. Because I don't think that he's somebody who's really getting considered for first base. He's probably got more of a chance of being at second base because I don't think that that's decided yet, right? No, second base is everybody thinks it's been decided. And of course, I mean, we can go back to when we first started the show. It was Adam Frazier was the starting second baseman. And once they drafted Nick Gonzalez, it was like, you know, Adam Frazier is going to be the second baseman until Nick Gonzalez comes up. And then it was like, well, you know, until Leo Verpagero comes up. Well, Nick Gonzalez and Leo Verpagero have both been up at this point in time. I, you know, Leo for a little bit more time. Nicky G went back down, did what he needed to do in AAA, is on his way back up for this Philly series. Not, not sure how much he's going to get playing time because as we've seen with Derek Shelton and Donnie Kelly, his bench coach, they put out the lineups for like a week at a time. So he might get some fill-in work here. But, I mean, Leo Pagero is approaching 200 plate appearances, has a 78, I believe, OPS plus, somewhere around there, 75, 78. Nikki G is even, like, further down than that. And so they have not solidified that whatsoever. Jared Tri- it should be whoever's best coming out of spring training, yeah, and, right? And Jared Triolo, I mean, that's what it should be. And Jared Triolo kind of did the same thing. He came up, didn't perform well, went back down to AAA. In his time back up here, he's evened everything out. And he's sitting at, you know, a 108 OPS plus, and he can play all over the field. He's a former uh, minor league uh, third base gold glover. And that's not just for the Pirates organization. When they do those gold glove awards, it's for like the entire minor leagues, every level up and down. Um, They have put him in at first base a little bit um, just because all they have over there right now is Connor Joe and Rivas. So not really anybody there. And he has played some second base. But, I mean, it was just basically, you know, Ben Sherrington saying that he does have this defensive flexibility. He picked up first base in 18 innings in the minor leagues and sitting there with Donnie Kelly before a couple games and could play a serviceable first base. But, I mean, I would think that, I mean, he could be a utility guy. He could be the second baseman. But I think that people, like, get to the point of now, they're like, oh, well, we just need to get somebody in there until Tamar Johnson makes it up. Well, Tamar Johnson is like going to be in double A next year. And yeah, he did have a fairly decent season, but we've seen how, I mean, they could fast track him at some point in time, but that's still not the answer for 2024 in a year where Ben Sherrington says we're going to be competing for the playoffs. Listen, you have a third baseman in Cabrian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz is your shortstop next year. At least that's where I see it, right? I mean, and then you have to figure out what you want to do at first, and if you're smart in the offseason, you go out and actually get a free agent first baseman who can hit that you can put into your lineup. Somewhere in a, in a real role up towards the, the top half of your lineup, and you bolster your offense. And then second base is a battle between some very good players, and one of them has to excel and take the role. And the one that comes in second is the utility infielder. And the third guy is probably in AAA, unless they have enough room for him where they also have him in a utility role. And so that I'm fine with that. 
In my mind, you would think competition would, would create the answer at second base because you don't want things handed to players. We've said that now for a while. The next step here is going to be competition and the cream will rise to the top and some guys may not make it. Just because somebody was a high-end prospect or a high-end draft pick, there's no guarantee that that guy works out. Major League Baseball is littered with guys that don't work out. Just because somebody was the, the key part in a trade acquisition when you were grabbing a prospect in the middle of this rebuild process doesn't mean that guy's going to work out. Well, you've got a couple of names here now that are going to have a realistic shot at being your starting second baseman. And you're going to have you're going to and then you got another guy in there that's probably going to be one of your utility guys. And if the guy who wins the job out of spring training starts to falter or gets injured, it's the next man up. So I'm not concerned about second base because I feel like there's an awful lot of different guys who would be capable of playing second base. It's up to the Pirates to find the right guy and and have wins come out of that decision. Who are they going to bring in that's going to work best with their shortstop, that's going to be a good double play combination, that can play the field out there and can contribute? And who, who's going to be the guy that gets that role and can do it over 162 games or the majority of those games? And then who makes sense to move around? You know, Triolo can go anywhere, right? Yeah. He could end up being the starting second baseman. And let's say the backup is Nicky G, right? So let's say that, that Triolo wins the job, but then when somebody needs a day off, he stays in the lineup in his normal spot and just moves. And that's when Nicky G plays second. Yeah. Your backup could literally be the guy that backs up your utility guy because the guy who can play every position is actually capable of being the everyday second baseman and is better than him. There's, there, that happens on Major League Baseball teams. There are plenty of teams that are like that where a guy is there and then he moves around. If you play fantasy baseball, you find these guys. They're everyday players who are eligible at like five different positions because they are always starting in one. And then when somebody else needs time off, they move because they're a really good player. And the guy who's on the bench goes into that role so that they can move someplace else. So again, I'm not, I'm not worried about the Pirates at second. And I'm not really that worried about their infield, especially if they go out and they find a first baseman, which is something they should do. They have the money to do it. That's how I'd like them to fill first base. I don't want them saying, okay, we're going to take two out of these three guys and that's going to be first base, second base. That would be a problem to me. Yeah, because to me, that's almost like that's that's asking for, for a problem to happen. That's, that's asking for issues just because, I mean, then what happens if, you know, both of those guys don't work, then you're still looking for somebody else in the other position. Or Not injury. Say, yeah, or injury, yeah. Right, I mean, that's the thing. Like You, you want to have depth, and the Tampa Bay Rays have depth, and I will forever be looking at the Tampa Bay Rays because that's the type of payroll, so that's the type of team you need to be, and they are a next-man-up team. They have, they have that Aranda kid. I can't remember his first name. Is it Jonathan Aranda? He's like he's like their second yeah. baseman. He can play a little utility. He's been up and down a couple times this year. He's down in AAA and he's just hitting bombs. It's like an over three hundred hitter. He's got he's hitting rockets out in AAA, and he may only be a quad A player, right? Like a superstar AAA guy that never really makes it in the majors, or he could be something. But you know what? They don't have to rush him, and it's good to have that depth, and it's good to be able to sit there and say, okay, we're bringing him up because so and so got injured. And if he sticks and he takes that guy's job, that's competition and depth for you. And that's how you become a very good team with a very low payroll. So this is how it, it should look. It should look like there's a log jam. 
I think people that look at the like a position, they go, well, what are we going to do here? We've got like six second basemen. I mean, like, what are we, what are we going to do here? I mean, like you're blocking so-and-so. Nobody's blocked. Best player is going to play. Somebody gets hurt, that player moves up. That guy can't find his way on because the guy that was at that position is so much better than him. He better learn another position or get better down in AAA. Or he might get moved someplace else for you to go get something you need. That's what happens on competitive baseball teams that don't have massive payrolls. Because massive payrolls go and say, who is my first baseman? Well, we have this guy in the minors. Is he good enough? Yes, fine, he can play first. Who's my second baseman? Well, we kind of have a hole at second base. We're going to go out and buy a second baseman for $20 million a year. The Pirates aren't <laughs> going to do that, right? And so they, then, then it's like, well, you know, we got this other kid that's down in AAA. Yeah, but we have a $20 million player blocking him for the next three years. So, you know, he's not going to play second base. That's the traditional way to look at roster construction if you are a team that spends money. But that's not what the Pirates are, and that's not how they're going to be. As much as you don't like it, that's not what they're going to be. So what you have to understand then is if you're like the Rays or teams that operate in that manner, just lots of talented guys, some of them have not quite gotten their opportunity, and some may not get their opportunity. That's up for them to figure out, right? They're the guy that's getting up in the morning and practicing and has to fight their way onto a team. They're the guy that has to take the hurt when a coach sits them down and says, we're going to go in the other direction. You are the fan that wants the coach to pick the right guy. And it's too bad about that guy's feelings. That's really sad, but we all deal with disappointment in our life. I want my team to pick the best 26 and then have depth. Because in the end, I want my general manager to be heartless and I want my organization to get the most out of what they can spend. Yeah, and I don't know if some of it, Chris, is that you know people are kind of just conditioned to okay, these are the players we're going to have, so we have to, to spread them out. So that might just be some of the stuff just because of the unknowns of you know what's going to happen this offseason. And we've already talked at great length and we'll continue to talk about it. But I think that might be a piece of it is like, okay, can we solve this you know from within because we're worried? So that might be part of it. But I just kind of want to put kind of that stuff to bed. And to me, like Jared Triolo – I mean, I just kind of want to go back to him for a little bit, like just for a second. I mean, he and the time that he's been here and hasn't even been 200 plate appearances yet, but does have like a 1.5 war. That's B war has a 1.4 F war, which is coming up to being like, you know, third best on the team behind Brian Reynolds and Brian Hayes. I mean, he's going to find a spot to play. I just don't know. You don't have to make that decision that he's going to be, you know, your, you know, starting first baseman at the beginning of the next year right now and kind of see how that plays out. Because what we saw even the last offseason was, you know, they went out and traded for G-Man Choi first. And then they went out and signed Carlos Santana. And then people were like, well, why did they, you know, sign? Why did they trade for G-Man Choi if they were going to sign Carlos Santana? Well, they didn't know if they were going to be able to sign him. Like there's nothing that's guaranteed in this offseason. Like, yes, they do need to go out and get a first baseman, but it's not like, you know, we're talking about like fantasy, you know, baseball or whatever it would be. It's not like if you're the first person that shows up and gives him an offer, like that's where he's going to go. No, I mean, you got to give him some money. You got to make sure the signing, the numbers are right. You know, he knows what his role is going to be with on the team. Like all this kind of stuff has to happen. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you had to say it right now with the players that are there right now, I'd probably say Jared Triolo is your starting first baseman, but it doesn't mean he's your starting first baseman in 2024. It just shouldn't be. And he shouldn't be. No, shouldn't be your starting first baseman in 2024. 
should be one of the guys in consideration to be your second baseman. Yeah. Or to have a role on the team because he's showing that he can do that. But an intelligent team and a good general manager would be trying to fill first base with something else. Would be trying to up their game. You know, when you bring in free agents, like let's say you bring in a free agent pitcher, and that pitcher's really like good enough to be a two on your team, that means your two becomes a three, your three becomes a four, your four becomes a five, and your five moves the middle relief. You become stronger in all of those positions because you bring something else in. If they go out and they get themselves a really good first baseman who can hit, then they can then turn around and, and you have Triola still in there and he moves into a different role and the guy whose role he takes moves into a different role and you become stronger and deeper. And that, that's the next part of this whole thing because you need to raise yourself to a level where you're winning enough games to be in the postseason. And then after that, you're going to raise yourself hopefully to a level where you're now winning in the postseason and going to a World Series. And, and, and that will, and, and in, on that road, folks, on that road, players that you fell in love with, either as prospects or guys that were out there in the field who had great games or great months, and you were like, I love this guy, some of them are not making it to that final championship because they won't have that role or they won't be on the team or they may not be the starter anymore. And that's a good thing. Because that's how you get to the point where you're holding the big giant trophy. Like, that's how you get to the point. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. Perfect example. I'm going to draw a little bit from my personal life and some crazy stuff that's been going on here. So my, my son plays hockey at a high school level. And last year, he played hockey and was one of the 15 guys they took in on his JV squad to the postseason. And they had a great run. Okay. And he works his butt off, but the coaches want to win championships at the high school level. They want their varsity to win championships. They want their JV to win championships. So they went out and recruited nearly 20 new freshmen who play statewide high end hockey. Now, my kid was never going to the NHL and never playing in college. And even last year, I told him, like, if you make it to varsity by the time you're a, a senior, that would be amazing, right? Because he's five foot eight. And while he doesn't have any body fat on him, he's also not built like a hockey player. Okay? Plays his heart out. Coaches love him. But you know what? He's not in the same place now in that organization. He got passed. And it hurts him that he got passed. But the team wants to win championships for the school. 
So they went out and they got more guys. Even on a personal level, I understand it. Now, I'm upset for my kid. I feel bad for him. You know, we've had a lot of father-son talks because at some point it was going to end for him. A kid who played it his entire life, at some point it's going to end for him. And at some point he was going to find out he wasn't going to the next level. Okay? And it may come sometimes before you understand that it's going to get there. But we've had to have that conversation, as I'm sure so many moms and dads have had to have with their kids, especially now with youth sports being so competitive and then being so used to the idea of not getting cut when they're younger. Like, you know, your dad, my dad, they went and played Little League. They got cut when they were 10 years old. They didn't have a they didn't have a space for everybody in Little League. Yeah. Only the best players got into the Little League back in the in the in the 50s and the 60s. And the 70s, right? And then eventually everybody started making a team. And now everybody, now, now you got a lot of no-cut schools even in high school where there's no cuts or anything like that. So they're learning sometimes a little bit later in life. But that's, that's the whole principle of this. You're building a team in which you want to have as much depth as possible. And some of these guys aren't going to make it, right? And that's a good thing for you as a fan because it means your team is getting good. It's rough on them, but it's a good thing as a fan. That's what franchise building is. And so I want depth, and I want him to go get a first baseman, and I, Triolo can play second or wherever he wants to play because if they're doing it right, there's a massive competition at second base next year. Yeah, and if he's good enough and he continues to play well enough, they'll find a spot for him on the team. And that's just kind of where we go is that if a player is going to stay, you know, as a starter or as a bench piece and not be optioned to AAA or not DFA'd or, or whatever it would be, then they just kind of have to continue to play well. And you can't look, I mean, it's always like, it kind of seems to be that thing. Well, this guy was a top prospect or this guy was, you know, a a first round draft pick. Well, if the guy that was picked in the second to 10th round or even 20th round ends up outplaying him, you can't keep the guy in that spot because we know we drafted him, you know, seventh overall. This is a big problem for fans because they get attached to the draft picks. Okay. Baseball's just littered with guys that were drafted in the 10th round and become all-stars. They had to beat all the guys that were drafted one through nine. You know, you, you want that. Don't, don't get yourself hung up on draft choice. Really? I mean, and look, Nicky Gonzalez may be just great for you, right? He may be, he, you know, Pagero, you got him in that trade and you were like, oh, what do we got here? Right, we knew Ch- Charrington liked him. Right, yeah. wasn't that one of the guys that he he that just was the coveted? First one, yeah, it was, and he, he right, he wanted him from that organization. Right, so trust me, the, the the general manager wants him to work out because that's a guy that he he liked. He went and made a deal to go get him. Right, and but the thing is, the best guy has to be the guy that gets in there. You would be more upset as a fan if they were playing the lesser guy because they were attached to them. And I will and I will give a perfect example for that. The Chicago White Sox traded Jake Berger for a subpar double-A player with an ERA close to 10 to the Miami Marlins. And Berger's going to hit 40 home runs. He's making less He's making less than $700,000 a year and under club control until 31. But guess what? He wasn't the guy they wanted at third base because the, the front office was married to Yohan Moncada. Now, that front office has been cleaned out in Chicago because of decisions like that. Little like a couple weeks too late because they decided they wanted to move Berger out of the way while he was killing it. And he's hitting about 300 with 40 home runs for the Marlins since he got traded over there. Over 300, and he's got, he got nearly 40. I mean, he's going to be a major league hit, but he wasn't in their plans because he wasn't the number one overall guy on MLB pipeline like Juan Moncada was 
and they fell in love with the guy they traded Chris Sale for. And so they couldn't get over themselves. You'd be far more upset, Pirates fans, if your general manager, w- there was no competition because I drafted this guy here or this guy was on this list here or I traded for this guy, so that's the guy I'm in love with. And then they moved on from a guy who was better who was drafted later on. Okay? So, I mean, that's just an example that I'm able to draw on because it happened this year in Major League Baseball. And it's been a national story. People are like, what a stupid trade. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like it's but the, that's an organization which is in the dumps and is, you know, there's a new manager every couple of years. And now they've got a brand new front office and all this other stuff like that because they can't figure it out over there. But I mean, like, but that's that you don't want that. You want competition. The best guy getting in no matter where they were drafted at or who they were traded for. Yeah. And Chris, that was like front page news, because the funny thing is, is, as soon as he was there, they did like a, a burger night where they like gave they sold right their away. burgers for cheap. <laughs> they, they had him Burger King down in Florida, like had like a, a big setup in his locker room and had one of those like right. little crowns for him. And the White Sox did nothing for him the entire time. he was. And, in and the White Sox couldn't wait to get rid of him because they realized right. how stupid it made that they were playing Juan Moncada there for the whole entire time. But yeah, they're paying Moncada, I think, twenty five million dollars next year to be a subpar negative war player (laughs) because and they couldn't get over themselves and the new guy you could tell because I've read some quotes I think he understands what he has over third base which is probably why if you look in the last like month and a half Moncada is finally hitting and maybe showing up the batting (laughs) practice because he probably wasn't doing that before him because he he just had a job and they were going to clear whoever they could out for him but that's just such a weird situation and you know I, I think you get hung up on your own franchise, and that's why I try to bring up other franchises. That's why I try to talk about what's going on with the Rays, or I bring up the White Sox there. We've talked about you know, the, the Red Sox at times on this show. We've kind of gone through a lot of different franchises and try to compare what's going on with the Pirates. And you, you have to look at that sometimes to get perspective about what's going on in your town. Just as much as you get perspective on nutting, and you go, well, he doesn't spend as everybody else, right? So you get upset about that. Well, look at how your front office though, is running. It's healthier to be like the best guys getting in no matter where I drafted them. And no matter who I traded for them, that's the best guy getting in and we're going to have competition. That's healthy. If you don't see that, that's when you should be concerned as a fan because your team may make the wrong choice and that will cost you wins and that will cost your team and then that will make you upset because you're paying for tickets and hoping that they win, right? So that's the thing I'd be concerned about in any kind of competition on the field is the best guy getting the opportunity or is it the guy with the highest draft pick number or who you traded for and the front office is in love with? And so to me, I listen to his answers and I hear a guy who's basically saying, like, we'll see who wins the job. And that's healthy as long as it continues to be the answer. Yeah. And especially, I mean, like when you, I'm saying like this in the beginning, it wasn't like a complete misquote. It was just a incomplete quote that, that was kind of put out there. And we've said this a million times, Chris, is that when Charrington says something, he pretty much does it because he doesn't speak. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, GM word salad in the stuff that any g- general manager says. But when he basically says, you know, last offseason, like, we're going to go out and we're going to get better players at this position. We're going to look to do this. I mean, it, it's what he goes out and does. We're going to look to trade to get Phil, like, gaps at this, you know, to get depth at this area. We thought this was a good place to do this. He, When he says he's going to do stuff, he really does go out and do that kind of stuff. So that's where, like, when he's speaking about this and he's speaking about, you know, does Josh Palacios have a place? He's like, well, I wouldn't see why not. Like, I mean, but it's based on what's going on right now. Now, if they go out and trade for 
or, you know, sign another outfielder since Josh Palacios would pretty much be, you know, a fourth outfielder slash, you know, you know, guy off the bench type of player. Then, you know, if they go out and get somebody who's better than that, then he, it would probably be, you know, no, Josh, you know, you're going to have to take your option and go down to triple A or you're going to be DF eight or whatever it may be. But at this point in time, he's kind of going to say like, why well, wouldn't see why not? Cause Right now, he's he's still playing and he's made a place for himself on this team. But a lot of this is like right now, and I like I said, I know that people want to do what I was talking about doing. I think it was a couple episodes ago. Is they want to fast forward to see what this off season brings, but you can only do so much right now to kind of talk about you know what it's going to be like in 2024. So you're only talking about the players that currently exist on the team, because a lot of it is, is so much of an unknown right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just pretty much like we need to go out and get two pitchers. And of course, you know, we need to get a, a Larry on and, and a Burnett and we need to get, uh, I think what was, it? we need to get a, a first baseman. So we need to get somebody who's going to hit like Pedro Alvarez. Uh, and that's where, like I, I had talked to you before the show, Chris, about, I, I kind of want to move past the past, if that kind of makes sense to you, is that, I mean, basically in 2013 through 2015, it was magical in Pittsburgh. I mean, I got, I got to experience something I hadn't got to experience since I was like 12 years old with Barry Bonds trying to throw out Sid Breen, that type of excitement. But you can't recreate something that happened in the past, especially since... Especially since they didn't win a World Series. Yeah, I mean, like, can I make that point and be blunt about it? Like, you want to fall in love with players, that's great. You want to pine for a time when you enjoyed a certain thing, that's awesome. Did you win a championship with that? No. So instead of instead of wishing for players like that, wish for players that win championships. That I mean, like, that's that's what I would be wishing for. I wouldn't want to just settle for just that. I want more than that. Don't you want more than that? So, I mean, I think you're right. And I think people will romanticize things and leave out the, the bad stuff, right? Because if it wasn't, if it was all good and there was no bad in that time, they would have hoisted a trophy. Yeah. So there were, there were clearly shortcomings and there were, and even those guys weren't the best players in baseball and they weren't good enough to get you across the finish line. So if you enjoyed them, great. If you have wonderful memories of those seasons, great. But you should want more than that. Not just that. You want more than that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much where, where my mindset goes to is that I, th- I think I've learned as I've gotten older that I can kind of cart- compartmentalize that type of stuff. Is That was exciting, but it wasn't enough. Like, we set out to do kind of what the Royals were doing at the same point in time. The Royals won a championship. We didn't. So we had that opportunity and getting one of those players may, it was there somebody else that we could have gotten that was better is where my mind goes now. The, like, the Royals were built better. The Royals were built better. Yeah. Okay. You may have enjoyed that team, but I'm going to tell you something right now. There was a reason why most national people at that time did not have the pirates in the same, in the same breath as the Royals. Okay, the Pirates needed they needed a, they needed a couple things to bounce their way just to get to that point, and they didn't even get to that. They didn't even get to face the Royals. Remember that? They didn't even make it to that point. Yeah, the Royals were built differently, and and then that's the other thing. Like you're going to have teams that are going to make it 
the postseason because they get very fortunate and everybody has a career year. And they kind of like it was interesting. The Royals got there, lost a pennant or won a pennant, lost the World Series and then got there right away the next year, got the pennant, and got the World Series. So that's a team that was built and, and actually made it to the World Series two years in a row. That's a very different team than the Pirates of that era. So because just because of the accomplishment and, and think of how hard it is to get to the World Series two years in a row. That's a, that's a difficult thing to do. So, yeah, you know, I mean, on one hand, I get your point. On the other hand, you're kind of like, I mean, I'm not a Royals fan. I don't even like Kansas City. The only thing good about <laughs> Kansas City is the barbecue. It's just a, it's a boring town with nothing going on in it. And like, you know, I had my, my former in-laws used to live there and I, I, I dislike them terribly. So to me, Kansas City can burn, but that team was better. So don't put down the Kansas City Royals of those years because they were they were better at that time and they were built better at that time. You want to be built like that. Okay, so you want to pine for a team of that era. Don't pine for the Pirates of that era. Pine for the Royals of that era, right? You want to be the Royals, but you don't want to be the 20 Pirates. We lost. No, you don't want to be the loser. You want to be the winner. Good show. We finally figured that out. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say hi.